Welcome to the New Beginnings Fellowship Podcast. Wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by today's message. Uh, okay. Hey, everybody. Um, good morning. So, um, I, don't, I don't even know how to intro. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, yeah. That's all I got. For those who don't know me, what's up? I'm Richard. I'm the pastor here. Uh, I am by far the worst of all of the staff members that's here. Um, Amber is the close second. Um, uh, I, was, I, was, I was, yesterday I was hanging out with a group of folks, Matinees and the Harmons and, and family, and I'm just, and, and uh, came here, church building, and, and, and linked up with, with, with Chad, and just doing stuff. I mean, filling up the baptism. Can't wait for that video, Matt. Uh, you know, hanging up the cross, all the other stuff. And I just stopped for a while. And I'm like, I was just sitting just right there in that front row. And I'm like, I love this place. I, I love these people. Um, and I really feel God telling me in my spirit. like, Rich, you ain't seen nothing yet. The fellowship that you get to have with these folks, the strength, the grind, the love that people will have for one another. I, I really do believe that like all of the, the, the most amazing, the high tops, the, the, the mountaintop experiences that you've experienced here is only the first fruits of actually what's going to happen in um, BF, and I'm fully expecting it. I love this place. I love y'all. Amen that God is here. All right? If you got your Bibles, y'all, go ahead. Philippians, we've been in Philippians that seemed like forever. And today we're concluding it. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. Now, I went through this sermon, I went through this ver- these verses, a couple of these verses last week, but I didn't get to camp at this. And so I'm sitting on it, I'm, I'm praying on it, chewing on it, was wrestling with it for a while, and I felt led to go right back there. We're going to be talking about some stuff here, all right? So Philippians 4. Uh, we're going to be in uh, verses 11 through 19. Let's read it. Paul is saying this. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to, to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned. I want you all to remember that, learned, learned. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need, I can do all things through Christ with strength, who strengthens me. All things. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again, not that I seek the gift. This is huge verse, verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Ephroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant, fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And then he ends with verse 19. Well, we end in where we're going to be at today. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There's so many verses in this passage that are misquoted. There are so many passages, so many, uh, you know what, 
I ain't going to preach. No, no, I am. You know, let me shut up and pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here, God. You're here. Thank you. You're with us, God. You made a promise to us, God. You said you would never leave us. You're always present. We pray, God, no matter what we do, we will always acknowledge your presence. We will always rejoice that we're in your presence, Father. Use us for you, God. Um, We can't even get to you without you. Show us how to follow you, God. Let this word transform our hearts. We pray, God, for more intimate relationship with you. And we pray, God, we will expect God to be God. Always expecting that, God. Never letting up. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. I love you, Rex. Y'all, out of all of the seasons of the year, my favorite is fall. It is. Uh, by a long shot. Now, I love fall because I love the gradual dropping of temperature. I love the smelling of burning leaves and bonfires. I love, because it's soup season. I just love me some soups. Uh, I I just love the season, period. But probably, no, 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 I know probably, most definitely my favorite part of fall is seeing all of the leaves change. I just do. I mean, I'm a sucker for aesthetics. I mean, I'm the guy that loves to be in nature just to sit and look at everything, right? And, uh, um, and, and everybody, especially in this area, like from a good vantage point, everybody, you can see all of the different types of reds, oranges, and yellows. You see that all a lot, but y'all, but check this out. Scattered in the middle, uh, and scattered amongst all of these reds and yellows and oranges, everybody, you see greens, Evergreen trees. It doesn't matter what time of year it is, and healthy, a healthy evergreen, everybody, it never loses its color, doesn't it all? You see, the surrounding trees, they change depending on their surrounding circumstances. Like in the spring, the leaves begin to bloom. In the summer, then all of the trees, they're flourishing if it's not too hot outside. In the fall, the leaves change color, preparing the shed, and in the winter, they lose their fruit. But not evergreens. Because all of the other trees, again, everybody, these trees are responding to their surrounding circumstances. But the evergreens, they don't change a bit. It doesn't matter what season that they're in, if they're still standing strong. They're never losing their color, never losing their fruit. Why am I telling you this, everybody? Hear this. All God's trees, all God's people, all God's children are evergreens are called to be evergreens, meaning that we ought to bear fruit in every season of life, every season of life. But sometimes whenever we have low seasons, whenever we face seasons where we believe that the temperatures of life are either too hot or too cold for us to handle, like, like you know, we, we get down upon ourselves. You're like, oh, yeah. You know, like, 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 like everybody, rather than remaining steadfast, remaining firm, we respond to our environment by shedding our fruits, fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of, I'm pretty sure I 
said that right and probably not in the correct order. But all of these fruits, we are called by God to display, not only to have, the, but, to, to, but to display for the rest of the world. So the rest of the world can look at that tree and be like, yo, that tree bears fruit. That tree loves. That person loves well. That person has joy in all seasons. That person is gentle. That person is kind. That person is faithful. All God's trees are meant to bear fruit in all seasons, everybody. God wants us to do that. But we got to ask ourselves. Ask yourself, are you an evergreen tree? Are you an evergreen? Or do you give yourself the green light to shed the fruit of the Spirit because how hot or cold the season of life that you're in? I think a lot of times we give ourselves, like we justify our behavior because we're in the tough season. Let me make this abundantly clear. Your being in a tough season doesn't give you a green light to shed a fruit of the spirit that God has called you to display to the rest of the world. It doesn't matter if you're sick. It doesn't matter if somebody died. It doesn't matter if you're on your deathbed. As a matter of fact, Jesus, he saved somebody in the middle of him being, like, being killed, being murdered. He showed love. He showed forgiveness. Everybody hear this. Not saying that we should just go around and not acknowledging people's pain and be like, oh, no, worry, you should be nice. I'm not saying that. But I'm like, do not justify your ungodly behavior because you're in the tough season. God doesn't give you a green light to shed that fruit. You need that fruit. Others need that fruit. Everybody. Amen? So hear this. In Philippians 4.12, Paul says this, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned, again, remember that word, I have learned the secret, learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. Paul is saying that it doesn't matter what environment he's in, he's an evergreen. Paul is like, give me a low season, give me a high season, I'm going to bear fruit. Uh, um, it doesn't matter if I'm hungry. It doesn't matter if I have plenty, abundance, or need. I am an evergreen. I am called to bear fruit in that gum, and I'm going to be bearing some fruit. Now, everybody hear this. That's a very tough skill to master. Obviously, it is. It's a necessary skill, but incredibly tough. And since it's tough, because it's so difficult, we have to figure out. Like, we, have to, we need instruction on how to do that. Paul helps us out here in this verse. Check this out. On the second half of verse 12, Paul writes, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. Paul is saying that I have learned the secret of, of constantly bearing fruit, being an evergreen. Now, hear me, everybody. I want you to follow me here. Some translations say the word instructed, all right? I have been instructed on the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. Y'all, the Greek word for the word instructed is the word mueo, mueo, M-Y-E-O. That's how they pronounce it, mueo. And mueo means to be initiated into the secret. Again, to be initiated 
into the secret. Back then, pagan religions, they used this word about describing the process of going through an initiation. Hold on, how do I say this? Pagan religions, they use this word to describe the process, the initiation process of gaining access to their secret society and having the benefits of that secret society. Sounds crazy, but think of, a, uh, think of a fraternity going, you know, sending its new recruits through a hazing process to be a part of that fraternity and then receiving the benefits of said fraternity. Right? There's a process that you have to go through to be a part of this group and to receive the benefits for this group. Paul is saying that he has gone through the process of being initiated to this special group. What is a special group? A group of people that have learned how to be content. A group of people that have learned to be evergreens in a difficult season. You see, everybody, there's a process that we have to go through to get to this point, to be content, to be an evergreen, to be strong, to remain steadfast, to bear fruit in every season of life. There is a process that you have to go through. Let me pause right here. A lot of the times, people, we don't like to go through the process. We want to get swole without getting sore. I just want to wake up and I want to magically look like the rock. It doesn't work that way. You got to take your butt to the gym to make that happen. A lot of the times, people want the green light to immediately come on stage and preach. There's a process. And and you OG members here at MBF, y'all know even me. I stumbled across this. I went through the necessary process. I was, Susie, am I lying? I was right there teaching y'all knucklehead kids in the back what it looks like to follow Jesus. I was right there. I was stacking chairs like everybody else. I've gone through this process to be here in this position. A lot of the times, everybody, we want to skip step one, step two, step three, step four. We're down here, and like, I got to get up there. You want to skip all of these necessary steps, and we're struggling how to get up. Take steps, everybody. Everybody in here wants to be strong. I know that. Every single person in here wants to be strong. I know that, 100%. Nobody wakes up and be like, oh, yeah, I want to be weak today. Nobody does. If you want strength, Everybody, you have to be okay with going through the process to being strong. Amen? Paul was like, hey, yo, I've gone through the process. Check this out. This is what he says. I think this is beautiful, everybody. Uh, uh, um, Paul said, he, he, he gives the process. He gives the, unlike a lot of fraternities, a lot, unlike a lot of secret societies, Paul spills the beans of the initiation process to be a part of this select group of people that are strong. And he says it before. Check this out. He says this. Paul said that he was brought low and he abounded. He had faced plenty and he had been hungry. He'd been in abundance and in need. Everybody, that's the initiation process. That's it. That's it. Hear this. The necessary process to join the secret society of people that know how to be content in every season to be a part of the secret society that will rejoice, that know how to rejoice, that have that strength to rejoice in all seasons is simply going through the seasons of life, the ups and downs of life itself. 
Now, everybody, we love the ups. We love those ups. We love when we stumble across, you know, a promotion and we got more money to shake a stick at. That's a season that I ain't never seen yet, but you get it, right? Everybody loves that stuff, y'all, but we hate the downs of life. Matter of fact, everybody, it's the downs, most of the time, the downs of life, the tough seasons of life where folks begin to share their fruit. Hear me, everybody. The same season you believe will weaken you, God is using those same seasons to make you that much tougher to knock down. Let me say that again. The same seasons you believe will weaken you, God will use those exact same seasons that you curse to make you that much tougher to knock down. Just go through the seasons. Don't give up, everybody. You can do it. Facing hardships is necessary for you to gain contentment, and contentment is a must-have. You have to be content. In order for you to be a strong man, a strong woman, like you needed to be a good parent, you needed to pass it on to your children to be a strong co-worker, to be a strong leader, to advance the gospel, you name it, contentment is a necessary, and without it, you will be miserable. Miserable. You've all met those people are just Debbie Downers. I'm like, there's, oh, there's only a certain, I have like a time limit that I can be around people that just made up their mind to be miserable. Don't get me wrong. It's my duty. It's my calling as a believer, not just as a pastor, as a believer to step into those murky waters when people are having uh, tough situations and when, they're, when, when it's difficult uh, for them to share the love of Christ. You know, whatever God is doing in me, the overflow of my experiencing with God is to, it's, it's to fill other people's cup. That's what I'm called to do. But... Many times I have a shelf life. I'm like, yo, you know, I hear that and I empathize with them. I'm like, God loves you. And I share scripture, you know, like, you know, you know, to get them out of that funk or whatever. But, you know, there are some people that just become convinced or become comfortable in all of that mess. And you know what I do after a while? I'm like, I told you, have fun with that. And I'm out. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm always there. But it. Let the word of God saturate you. Like you don't have to live being miserable. Last time, last Bible I read, it said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life here. And then after that, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That means I'm Gucci in this life and in the next. Why wouldn't I be content? Man, I'm, man y'all ain't trying to hear me preach today. This hit home, really. Um, my ancestors, slaves. It's beautiful during that time. It was beautiful during slavery. Oh, my goodness. Negro spirituals. I've, I've, I've said this before, right? Negro spirituals. And we sing them. Go tell it on the mountain is a Negro spiritual. I, uh, uh, um, these songs were birthed because these slaves were singing 
about the goodness of God and singing about hope and expectation that God it will do and is currently doing something incredible in the middle of the worst time of their lives, arguably the worst time in the history of the world. Next to Genesis 3. Thanks a lot, ladies. I'm joking, 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 joking. But think about this, everybody. Like, like, and we sing these songs today because these people, they were like, even though I am literally in chains, don't have freedom, I have a relationship with God. And you know what that made them do? Sang. They sang during those times. Let's go back to the evergreens real quick. There's a time, everybody, when evergreens, when they shed their fruit, and whenever they lose their color, like there are times when evergreens die. And that happens when evergreens don't get enough water. So you know what that means? Hear this. That means that the rain provides the necessary nourishment for the tree that the tree needs to survive. Again, the rains provide the necessary nourishment for the tree to survive. You see, evergreen saints, hear this up, hear this. The very rains we beg to get out of, the very rains we curse because we have to endure them are necessary for our own growth. But we convince ourselves that these rains are going to kill us. Y'all hear this, y'all? Like, like we want to, we beg God, God, get me out of this rain. God's like, you want to be strong, right? I'm allowing it to rain so you can grow. When we neglect the rain, we neglect growth, and we look and we're like, oh, why am I weak? Why am I not as strong as X, Y, Z? Because you're running from the rain. Um, you got to learn how to dance in it. There's an old movie. You older folks you probably dig this. There's an old movie called Singing in the Rain. And I know you young folks are like singing around because it's an old movie or whatever. Gene Kelly, all men should look at that movie. Man, Gene Kelly is a mat, a true player from the Himalayas. Like this dude, it, it, so there's a scene in the movie, Singing in the Rain, where Gene Kelly is walking his boo Kathy to, Kathy to the door and, and, you know, he lays a kiss down on those rose-colored lips, laying his game down quite flat like a true player. And, and, and Kelly was like, hey, you know, Kathy was like, hey, yo, be careful out there, Gene. It's raining, raining more than usual. And Gene Kelly turned back, cocked his head to the sides like, woman, chill out. All I see is sunshine. Gene Kelly was like, I got my career, I got my woman, I got my health. I'm good. And then he plants a kiss again. Yo, Kathy goes to the door, and he literally starts singing in the rain. Literally. And everybody around him is reacting to the rain. You got, you got people with newspapers and umbrellas, and they're like this, and they're looking at Gene Kelly, and they're like, what an idiot, or whatever. And this dude is all on the light post, just twirling around and dancing. He's all smooth with it. This is what he was doing. He's like, yo, I... I you think it's raining? You think I'm worried about the outside circumstance? You have any idea how happy that I am right now? I am singing in the rain. Everybody hear this. You know, Paul was on house arrest. Even though he was innocent, chained to the imperial guard 24 hours a day. This dude was awaiting trial. 
to see that if his life was going to be spared or he's going to be killed just by following Jesus. Still singing. Still singing, everybody. Paul was not only content, but he was rejoicing. Paul understood that these reins were necessary, the necessary nourishment he needed to be strong, everybody. Are you singing in the rain, everybody? And with that backing, everybody, with that backing, Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You see, Philippians 4.13 is not just a motivational verse that we use to get to the platform that we want to get to. Like, 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 like we see a job and, 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 and we want a promotion for a job or we want a job, and so, and, but we think that we're unqualified for it and we bust out Philippians 4.13. Ooh, but I know I'm not qualified, but I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. We see a certain tax bracket that we want to get to, you know, but we're not right now. We don't know how we get it. Like, oh, you know what? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You know, being a you know, past athlete, you know, a past athlete, I can't tell you how many times, you know, whether it's football, whether it's track, whether it's baseball, you know, uh, 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 whether, whether it's basketball, how many you know, folks that use that, that verse, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Completely using it wrong. Hear this, everybody. Whenever we use that verse as a motivational mantra to get us to a certain level, we pick the things that we can do through Christ which strengthens us. And that's not the case. How many of y'all have always had the luxury of picking the things that, 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 that you're going to experience? This is what I'm talking about, right? Paul didn't pick imprisonment. You think Paul looked on the menu and was like, yo, I'll take an imprisonment, I'll take a shipwreck, I'll take a snake bite, I'll take a few floggings, I'll take a couple of whips, uh, how about being beat by rods, and my friends abandoning me. Yep, i order that. Paul didn't pick that junk, but that stuff happened. Life happened. The church as a whole, didn't pick persecution. You, everybody, you didn't pick the death of a loved one. You didn't pick the sickness that you may be experiencing right now. You didn't pick a failed relationship that you experienced. You didn't pick those things, but those things still happened. So now what? What do you do now? What do we do in the middle of all of these things, the heartache, the struggle, the chaos, what do we do? Answer here. We sing in it. We sing. We rejoice. Why? Because God can use those same sicknesses, that same heartache, those failed, those same failed relationships, and even death to make you strong. You may not think that you can handle it. Some of you, you came in here and you're convinced that you can't handle whatever season that you're in right now. Do not believe in that dog-faced lie. You can do all things through him who strengthens you to deal with the reins of life. Um. Ah, 
Like, time would be all right. I grew up watching this movie, Bebe's Kids. <laughs> Loved it. It's an old animated cartoon deal growing up. And the Bebe's Kids, they, they're kids in poverty. Kids would struggle. But, but, but those kids that, 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 that lived in poverty, that were struggling, they had a little mantra that they said. Bebe Kids. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was um, a girl and her two brothers. And the Bebe's Kids, they said, we don't die, we multiply. Oh, I love that right now, right? We don't die, we multiply. What they were saying was like, man, I'm not, you, whatever hard circumstance you give us, not only are we going to survive it, but the people are going to look at us being like, how do you get that strength? Yo, I want some too. And everybody can be baby's kids. Everybody, if that's not discipleship, I don't know what is. The world will look at you and they're like, oh my goodness, what's going on? How are you not only surviving but thriving and rejoicing? And they're like, what is it? And you share the goodness of God. You share the rejoicing. And they're like, I want some of it too. I want some of it too. And they experience it and they don't die. They don't die. They multiply. That's what we're called to do, everybody. Look, moving forward. Moving forward. Let's go. Paul continues by writing, yet it was kind of you to share my troubles. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only, even in Thessalonica, you sent, you sent me help for my needs. And once again, verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Let me say that again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Let me point something out here. Paul first acknowledges the generosity of the church in Philippi. He says that out of all of the churches that he served, they were the only ones to donate money to help them like, further his ministry. And then he says that not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Everybody hear this. Paul is claiming that it's not the money that he seeks. It's not the gifts that he seeks. It's not even the support for them that he solely seeks. It's not about that. That's not the main idea here. How do I know that? Because he said that he knows how to grind. He knows how to thrive with and without, without your support uh, and with your support. I know how to thrive. I know how to rejoice. I know how to still be an evergreen. I know how to do that. But he says that he doesn't desire those gifts to please himself. But he desires these gifts that they, that they gave only to increase to their credit. Here at New Beginnings Fellowship, y'all, we challenge you to give every week. We do. Um, and we do that not to fatten our pockets whatsoever. That's not the case at all. I, I, it's not about us. It's not about us, everybody. Um, it's not about making this place more immaculate. It's not, it's not it, everybody. We ask you to give simply because God blesses you whenever you do. And that's just the case. That's just the case. He just does. Now, you're probably thinking, like, I'm not talking about, like, like tangible gifts. Like, I'm not saying, like, yo, give so you can give, get more money. That's secondary. If God blesses you with more money because you gave more, amen. Appreciate you. That's not the main deal. You can have the money. I want a relationship, an intimate relationship with God. 
And check this out. There have been many times that I've given and given in abundance, and I didn't see an increase in my financial circumstances because I gave. But that's not, sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't, but that's not the main deal. But every time I gave and gave in the right way, I felt, the, I felt God's like, at a boy, Rich, at a girl, Heidi. I pleased my father. That's enough for me. And because we're pleasing our father, that means that we get that much more of an intimate relationship with him. And all good things is happening in my life because of an intimate relationship with him. Because of an intimate relationship with him. Man, me and my kids are good. Because of an intimate relationship with him. Me and my wife are good. Because of an intimate relationship with him. It's more power and authority whenever I preach. It's more good intimate relationships with the staff that I get the lead, you know, get, the, get the privilege to serve alongside with y'all and how I counsel and how I walk. It affects every area of my life. Paul is saying like, hey, yo, I want you to give not because I want your money. It's because I want you to have an intimate relationship with God. So everybody, deny yourselves and give. You want to be strong? Deny yourself. Here you go. Just give. Give. I promise you. I promise you. The more money you give, the more we're just going to pour out into the community anyway. The more we increased, the more we gave. That's it. Um, <sighs> hear me, everybody. But even when we trust our church to give, uh, like, uh, whenever we trust our church to handle the money that you give in the right way, um, we struggle to give because we don't want to be without. Whenever we hoard our money, whenever we keep it in our pockets, we convince ourselves that's just one less thing that we have to struggle. And I understand that. I understand that, everybody. I understand that logic. Um, and that's why in verse 19, Paul speaks into that logic and speaks in that thinking. And he says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Church, I don't want to harp on giving, but simply trust God. That's it. And I promise you, I promise you, with the right heart, you won't miss a single cent that you give. I promise you, you won't miss it. Won't miss it. And God will supply your every need. The Bible tells us so. I end with this, everybody. Um, we all have needs. We know that. Some people, they need new cars. Some people need a place to stay. Some people need a change in their health. Some people need jobs. Some people need more money in the bank. Like, like we all need different stuff. Some people need different things, but what do all people need? All people. They need a relationship with Jesus. Everybody needs that. Everybody. And Jesus, seeing everybody having that need, died on the cross for our sins so that we can have a relationship with him. And all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul understood that. Paul understood that at one point of his life, he was in the greatest need of all time, a relationship with him. And because of what Jesus did in him submitting to Christ, he had that relationship. Paul went from having nothing 
to having everything. And that is what made him content. What do you give a man that already has everything? That's why he's content. Church family, if you have a relationship with God, you already, had every, you already have everything. And you could be content in every season of life. Realize how beautiful God is. Ask God to reveal himself to you. Ask God to pour out his glory on you. Now read the word. Figure out who God is, what he has done, what he, what he is doing. Allow the love of Christ to completely saturate your heart. I need y'all, even in your difficult season, being like, all right, God, this is tough, but no matter what, even though I'm in a high season or a low season, you know what stays on that mountaintop experience? And we, you know what stays on top? It's my relationship with you, and it is well with my soul, I am content. God will see that, and I can't tell you about the abundant amount of strength that you would get to go through life, everybody. And not only you will have that strength to get through life, but you will be singing in the rain. Everybody, if you don't know Jesus, you can sing in the rain. All you got to do is ask him to come in your heart. The word says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. All you got to do is ask. I challenge you. God challenges you. God commands you. Have a relationship with him. Every eye, every head bow, every eye closed real quick. Um, again, my prayer for each and every one of y'all is to have an intimate relationship with him. And for you saints in here is to rejoice in the middle of everything that you're going through. Be content. God is with you. Acknowledge his presence. Be thankful and go dancing. Father, thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you so much for never leaving us. God, we pray that you would just bless us with some dancing shoes so we can just two-step through life with rejoicing, God. Give us the strength to thrive in every season of life. We can do all things through Christ because you strengthen us. Give us the strength to go through these seasons. Thank you, God, so much for giving us the opportunity to be evergreens, not changing with the seasons. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody said, I love y'all, but it doesn't compare to how much Christ loves you. Y'all take care. Happy Sunday. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about New Beginnings Fellowship, connect with us, or give, visit nbfhollister.org. Have a great week, and remember, we are the church who radically loves, serves, and encourages.